Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as hosts Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show, everyone. It is Thursday, March 23rd in the year 2023. Glad to have you all with us today. We got a slam-packed show, a lot to talk about in the sports world. And I do mean world, right? Because we're going to start by talking about the WBC, the World Baseball Classic. But before we get there, big congratulations to England in the 2024 European Championship qualifying round. They beat, I'm talking soccer, of course, they beat Italy for the first time since 1961 in Italy. Since 1961. So you know the Brits are going crazy tonight at the pubs throughout the UK. That'd be a pretty fun time to be there. And my man, Harry Kane, one of my favorite names to say, Harry Kane, he breaks... Rooney's England scoring record. So a lot to celebrate over there. Let's bring it to this side of the pond. Pop DiBiase, my man. Did you enjoy the World Baseball Classic as much as I did? Yeah, because Mike, I was about to tell you, like, I have no clue what you're talking about with the soccer situation. So, yeah, I, it, it would have been uh, one of those uh, moments where the crickets would have came out if you would have asked me for it. Did I did I watch any of that? <laughs> well, I know you watch some baseball, so you know your stuff when it comes to the uh, boys of summer. What do you think of this competition, man? What do you think of the tourney? We've been talking about it two weeks, Mike. It's beautiful. It was beautiful, and it had the epic finish. And one thing I will say. Um, I'm with Mike Mattisaw, the uh, the uh, my man from New York, who means um, now he's on first take. But I think that he's actually spicy. I, he's actually made that show actually good. You talking about Mad Dog, Chris Rousseau? Yeah, yeah, Chris, yeah, Mad Dog. Yeah, Mad Dog has made that a very very watchable show. I'm still not watching it. I I suggest to anybody follow the money on Vison. Early morning. That's your early morning show. No more um, uh, undisputed. No more um, uh, first take. None of that. You know, and then you guys make sure you listen to Mike Abadir's show every Thursday, too. So um, pretty much, you know, I got to make sure I promote us, too. You know what I mean? So um, what I mean, though, though, is that it was a beautiful event, but let's not get ahead of ourselves. I don't want drums playing in the ninth inning of the World Series. No. And it's game seven. No, I'm not having that. Um, I don't want people yelling and screaming throughout the whole game. I don't want that. But when it comes to WBC, I want all of that. Period, point blank. There were a lot of people who I felt did not really watch the tournament, but they had a lot to say about it because they saw little clips and everything like that. The way that the Japanese approached this situation, this was everything to their country. The way that America approached the situation was that this was more of an exhibition and this is a great way for us to sell opening weekend of baseball of the MLB. And I feel like what happened in the process was is that everybody fell back in love with baseball. Everybody remembered that 
the first sport that they played as a kid organized was baseball. Think about it, Mike. The 30, 40, 50 years ago, we all started on the Little League. Uh, we all started with, in a Little League somewhere at the local park. None of us were going to play on the football team. None of us went and ran on the basketball team. We all played T-ball at the park, played baseball, because we all wanted to be like our favorite guys on TV, the baseball players. So that's how I felt watching this WBC, that the kids that saw it are are will – are starting to understand that this is the American pastime. This is the the game when it comes to American sports. Basketball, football are more of sports that are uh, it's an action type situation, but you need the action for the sport to be great. If it's a slow down, pace them out situation, nobody cares about that. Everybody's going to say it was an awful situation. It was an awful game. It was all that. But baseball, baseball is always going to be a game of situations. And I think that they played to all the great situations that you need to have to really sell the sport. And when it came down to the two faces of baseball and two guys who play on the same team, it told, I think the Angels might have increased their fan base by 15% simply because they got two of the faces of the league. And I just thought that you had the face of Japanese baseball and you had the face of American baseball, and they went at it. And that was – you can't even write this in a movie. And I thought that they did everything that you were supposed to do. But I had to agree with Mike when he says that let's not overblow the event like this was some historic moment or anything like that. It was a great event. And I think that it was more remarkable for the Japanese because they know that this is our game and they know that they respect us so much that beating us is like top quality to them. That's like the creme de la creme, but it's nothing disrespectful. It's that pretty much they achieved the goal that they wanted to do. They wanted to win the WBC and they felt real good winning it against us because as he said before, Let's stop admiring him. What he meant by that is that he loved that they love the game. They love us. But the thing is, though, we can't be fans today. And I thought that was absolutely tremendous. And I think that it meant more to them than it would ever meant to us. If we'd have won that, it would have been cool. We won the WBC. All right, I'll see you next Thursday. But they're about to have parades and all types of stuff, and guys are about to get a whole lot of money from those uh, companies in Japan because they won an event that they have turned into a prized event. They even had some of the games in Asia. So, you know, I think that baseball showed that it's an international sport. It's been an international sport, and pretty much – Let's go ahead, and this is the sign of the times. The two sports that people feel are kind of the most boring in a sense uh, are the two sports that actually have been able to have a real global reach. I don't think that we could do a WBC for football. It'd get pretty boring after a while knowing USA is going to beat everybody 50 Well, plus nobody really plays football outside of here. Right, right. and then the American one, We are, I always say let's not even involve basketball. We got the Olympics, the world world games, all that stuff. They don't need a, 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 a world tournament, and they don't need a world all-star game. What they need to do is fix the product. That's what they need to do. You know, because basketball, college basketball is way more entertaining than me than the NBA because the NBA feels like they just pretty much scripted everything out now. Come on, look at the Lakers game the other night against the Mavericks. Like, I knew the Lakers were going to lose by a buzzer beater. How did? How can you start figuring that out 15 seconds left to go in the game? 
because it looked like somebody in the back wrote the game up. And I don't even like to talk like this. I'm somebody who's very, very, very uh, strict about um, the integrity of sports. But the NBA is starting to become an absolute joke. Let's keep it real, Mike. Yeah, especially after that uh, two-point loss for the Mavs yesterday against the Warriors who got a uh, free basket handed to them. Uh, we'll get into that a little bit later, but that was like unbelievable. I've never seen anything like that. I, I, me neither. I said, how can you not stop the game and say, let's do this over? No, you gave him a buck and said, let's continue. What kind of shit is that? Oh, and- it's really, really odd, man. I mean, I can't believe that something like that happened in a professional adult basketball game here in the United States. That was bizarre, man. That was but bringing right- it back to the WBC, though, uh, you, you mentioned this a couple of weeks ago when you're talking about the cultural differences in terms of the the vibe, let's just say, at the stadium. I kind of like it, man. But I understand what you're saying about the seventh, seventh game bro. seven, but I kind of dig it, man. Like, uh, yeah. How I, long do we want to be like? Do we, do we want the sport to be more like golf or more like? European soccer where they're singing and chanting and banging on drums and blowing whistles and doing all that stuff throughout the game. I mean, I think there's a happy medium somewhere in there, right? Right, but I'm just saying we can't do it for nine straight innings, Mike. And there's it has to be at some point in a game where you got to let the players concentrate. There's millions of dollars that's on the line in these games, Mike, every single night. We can't... Yeah, we but can't, why, why can't they concentrate in football? Or why can't they concentrate in basketball, not in baseball? Because those are action sports. You kind of need the crowd to keep the – if you have a a crowd that's not cheering in basketball or football, it's not going to be entertaining. But in baseball, you understand the chess match part of the game. It's not moving fast. It's moving slow. So it has to sometimes have a little bit of silence. There's always going to be noise, but let's not be annoying. That's the whole thing. You know what I mean? And I love it, Mike. I love it. I love it. But you have to understand, it's in the Dominican Winter League. Do they talk about that being in the Dominican playoffs when they're having a real serious game? I think they'll cut that out after about the fifth inning because, you know, your nerves are messing with you, man. You can't have too much noise around you, dude. Well, you know where else they were doing that, too, which really surprised me, is in the uh, some of the Asian uh, markets, too, man. I saw, I saw these little uh, cute little cheerleaders jumping up and down on the dugout during the game. I was like, what in the world? Now, I can't see that ever happening here, but they had these short skirt cheerleaders. I think they were Korean girls or something, man. Did you see that? That was just crazy. They're hopping up and down on on top of the dugouts during the game. Yeah, like I don't see that ever happening. No, No way. But I do like a louder, more exciting vibe than, you know, sometimes in the second or third inning, of a ball game when there isn't a lot going on, you know, you could hear like the crack of the bat, of course, but you could hear uh, like the, the ball hitting the catcher's mitt and stuff like that. A little, a little quiet for a pro sports game. I don't know, man. I I think if we want to, we always talk about getting younger people into the game. Right. And I think if, if you want to accomplish that, I, I think people need to, feel a more vibrant energy at the ballpark. 
Well, you know what? If I want to go to the circus, I'll go to the circus. You know what I mean? Like, if I want to go to a rap, uh, to a concert or something, I'll go to a concert. If I want a whole bunch of noise and I want to be entertained by somebody, then I'll go to do what entertainers do. But when we are playing a, a major sport like baseball that has a lot of ramifications around it that are way more important than just exactly what the fans want to do, then at some point we do need to have a little bit of silence. I like the whole party vibe and things like that, but I think we need to pick and choose where we do these things at, like the All-Star game or opening weekend things like that or say if you're a team that's just not that good that might help your team you know boost up some uh some things when it comes to keeping people a little entertained at the uh ballpark but at the end of the day people come to baseball games because they want to get out of their houses dude they want to go eat uh stadium food they want to do all that they enjoy the experience but the whole point of it is to watch the game if i if we're so worried about what concert that we're going to be putting on on the side of, uh, of the game then literally we're, we're losing focus on the game we can't have 75 different activities going on during the game we all don't have adhd mike so pre- pretty much that's that's my point with that i know it's it's fun but we have to make sure it's like you said a medium to it well i think it's the interesting thing about it is what you're gonna end up having is uh even if they turned up the noise a little bit you know, in terms of the atmosphere and in, in the majors, what you'll have are the sophisticated fan bases that are really in tune with their team. They'll know when to quiet down and when to make noise like St. Louis Cardinal fans. You know, there's some of the more uh, really, really in tune with, with their ball club type fans almost anywhere, you know, and it kind of reminds me of like, you know, like, like a quarterback, kind of like waves his hands like like chicken wings and, and tells everybody to quiet down. He does that slow kind of pushing. Instead of raising the roof, he does the opposite of it, you know, to try to tell everybody to quiet down. Some fans, they don't need to even have the QB do that, right? Because they know exactly the situation when to quiet down. Conversely, they know when an opponent is driving into their end zone and it's where the fans are all going crazy. They know when to make noise and disrupt and get them to commit a false start and things of that nature. You know, so I think a lot of it depends on kind of like where the game is, who it's in front of, etc. I could see like the Marlins having this type of atmosphere. I mean, I think it, it could very well work on a regional basis. I don't see it working in Seattle. You know, I don't think they're even that kind of fans. You know what I mean? They're they're eating crickets in the game. Like literally, they you could get crickets as an appetizer in Seattle. I don't know if you saw that or not. Mm. Uh or grasshoppers or some something nasty like that, man like fried grasshoppers. They have that as stadium food. Uh, I think I'll stick with the hot dog and the nachos, man. But I, I think it's it's uh, it's from a spectator's perspective at home, it's fun to watch. We've kind of digressed away from the ball game itself a little bit, though. Uh, and I know you brought up Chris Rousseau's uh, take a couple of times there was another take that he made which was when Stephen A Smith asked him if 
this was one of the greatest moments in baseball history. Chris Rousseau pushed back on the hard because he was like, "Hey, man, I, this isn't like game. This isn't like Kirk Gibson and and Eckersley, or this isn't like you know, this is the WBC." Uh, it's interesting to hear two very different perspectives on that. Uh, I, I but, thought it was a big moment, man, but it's not. Here's the thing. If you're going to look at MLB being the most sacred, then MLB with anything else is going to be less sacred, right? So that's it's never going to be able to compete. But if you look at it from a historical perspective, from a perspective of something that happens every few years and what it could mean in terms of influencing the game. Because keep something in mind, Pop. I think after Japan's performance, we could say that their brand of baseball does translate well into the major leagues. I mean, they've got the team concept down. Their pitching is really good. Their defense is good. I didn't see them making any mistakes. Did you? Well, the Mexico game, they made a few mistakes, but in our game, they played, tried to play the most perfect game ever because they knew who they were going against. And they knew that any mistake that you make will best around and beat you 14 zip. And they knew that, you know, Mexico got themselves a nice little clutch, little uh, three runs to start the game off, but they just didn't have the pitching. And I think the one thing that's, that made Japan very good is how disciplined they were at the plate. You know what I mean? And where I agree with Chris at is that he didn't want to diss Stephen A. Smith, but he knows that they only pull up for baseball whenever they're not talking about the NFL or LeBron. And he knows that pretty much what you call it, you guys are very casual when it comes to baseball. So you guys going crazy about this one little moment just kind of shows that you're not really watching baseball. Because at the end of the day, this should be seen as a great moment to kick off the season. We're going to have more great moments as we move along with baseball this year. We got great players like O'Neill Cruz, O'Neill Cruz, who's a good young young player, Cedric Mullins, uh, Bo Bichette, Vlad Jr. We got so many great stars in the MLB right now. I feel like the MLB has more stars in the NFL and the NBA because think about it, Mike. They only talk about five people in both of those leagues in reality. I, I agree. In reality. If they really cover baseball as as well as, say, MLB Network covers baseball, you have so many stars you can talk about. Everybody has a, a box office star on their team. Even the Royals. Oh, even yeah. The, uh, A's, even the uh, uh, the um, – who else is a really bad team that nobody cares about? The A's. Everybody has somebody that you can lean on. And that's the difference between baseball and the other sports right now. Some teams are just faceless at the end of the day when it comes to a star player. You know what I mean? And let me give you a great example, a team that's pretty faceless in the NBA, the Orlando Magic. Yeah, Bonchero's pretty good, but they got 14 other young guys on the team as well, too. Who's really the star of the team? They don't have a star of the team yet, but they have a potential star. You get what I'm saying, Mike? It's not the same as baseball. You know, the Baltimore Orioles aren't great, but Cedric Mullins is their star player. And before that, it was Trey Mancini who they sent to um, the um, Astros. So these guys, 
And by the way, they got a couple other uh, up and coming guys too, like Gunnar Henderson and, yeah. and Jackson yeah. Holiday, and and yeah. Adley Rushman had a great uh, second half uh, of his rookie campaign. Yeah, man, they got some they got some guys, man. Yeah, the funniest thing about the Orioles was they got rid of their best players and got better. That was the funniest part about it. They got better, and that's why I keep saying to people, "That's my wild card team to make the playoffs this year." You know, a team that you know when you when you look at the six teams going to the playoffs this year, you say to yourself that might be number six right there because they play in a tough division as is, but they're built to compete in that division somewhat as well too. And last year showed that. I'd like to pull up the odds maybe during the commercial break, see uh, how it's looking in terms of over unders and stuff for the Baltimore Orioles because I think you're onto something, man. Speaking of commercials, let's take our first quick timeout we'll come back we'll talk more baseball with pop dibiase right after this follow voice america at facebook.com forward slash voice america for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society on all around sports host john inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world including players owners and fellow sports journalists discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today john will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events Tune into All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Mondays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa. Play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at the Show.com. Now, back to this week's program. Talking baseball here with Pop Tibiasi. And, you know, one of the things that really has... Uh, me excited about this upcoming season something that you were alluding to which is the number of young stars in baseball is about as good as i could ever remember it reminds me of the late 80s there was a a period of time where like canseco and mcguire and 
Ellis Burks and Mike Greenwell and Will Clark and all these young guys, Kevin Mitchell. I mean, I could go on and on and on. Ruben Sierra, Corey Snyder, you know, every team had two or three guys that were super exciting. And it's kind of like that. Like you mentioned the Royals. I really like Bobby Witt. They got Vinny Pescantino, who's going to be a big time fierce slugger. Melendez, who's a catcher that could hit so much that they're probably going to take him out of the catcher position, put him at first base or DH. You know, that's just the lowly Royals pop. You know, you're already talking about the Baltimore Orioles. You know, we just quickly rattled off like three, four names. You know, um, I'm glad that Cedric Mullins now has some company. You know, at the top, he doesn't have to do it all by himself now. And he should probably be able to rack up some serious RBIs this year because they got some table setters, man. Uh, baseball is in a really, really good spot. And I think the one thing that was really positive about the WBC is it brought a lot of attention and good momentum going into opening day, Pop. Right, and I felt like last year's All-Star game kind of got people back in the mood because it was in Los Angeles, and it was in a major market. It was at one of the greatest stadiums in all of baseball, and, um, you know, they had a lot of star power in that game, and it was a, a lot of dedication to guys like Jackie Robinson and a lot of the pioneers that came before us and everything like that, and um, I thought it featured uh, something that they felt baseball was missing, the, the black player. So pretty much you had two black players go ahead and hit back-to-back home runs to ensure that the AL uh, won that game. And I thought that that was a, a very standout moment for baseball in general because baseball went and said, you know what, we got everybody in our league. Never tell us that we're, we got a diversity problem because we do not, okay? It's about them choosing to play in our league. That's the whole thing. We're not forcing anybody to be play baseball like they, they're forcing these kids to play football and basketball we're not doing that you come play baseball if you want to we know it's an expensive sport now because now it's all about the club team they didn't take the they they're trying to take the recreational uh part out of it because you know nobody wants to deal with um the parents from the trailer park no more you don't want to mix up the parents from the trailer park in the suburbs anymore so now you got these club teams to where you got to go out there and it's all the suburban kids playing together. So the poor kid in the trailer park and the poor kid in the uh, hood, they don't have those same resources. So they're chasing football and basketball right now, but baseball is trying to do their best at bringing those kids back into the fold by spending more money on the uh, little league system as well, too, with the RBI program and all that good stuff. And I feel like over the next 25 years, baseball will have a great rebirth because it's a sport that really does teach team team values, team uh, sports, team chemistry. And is there's nothing better than being in a dugout, dude. I'm telling you right now. If you got a beef, you got a problem with somebody, oh, y'all going to figure it out in that dugout. You know, if you got a problem with somebody on your NBA, on your basketball bench, y'all, you guys are probably going to fight. Football, same thing. I'm saying this from my own experience, Mike. When I played football, Yes, I got into a fight on the sideline with a teammate. When I played basketball, I got into a fight on the bench with a teammate. But when I played baseball, we could always talk about that in the dugout. We could always figure it out. You know what I mean? Because at the end of the day, we just want to see each other do well. 
But in those other sports, everybody's trying to, it's always a competition and you're trying to get more time than somebody else. In baseball, you're always going to get an opportunity to do something. And as long as you start teaching kids those values in the sport, then they're going to love it. And as these other sports keep being more, we're choosing who we want to be involved in this, baseball will always be there because baseball doesn't discriminate against the five foot one guy playing catcher. Baseball doesn't discriminate against the 350 pound kid that uh, is knows how to th- that can throw a 70 mile per hour fastball at 12. They're not they're not discriminating against that kid. You know, in football, you got it to where oh the kid's three uh two hundred and fifty pounds. He can't play with anybody. So then they had to make it to where oh there's no limit now. That would stop me from playing a lot of uh, tackle football as a youth. So pretty much, you know. At the end of the day, baseball is on a resurgence because baseball is not worried about who loves them and who who doesn't. They're just trying to make sure that they they have a viable product. They went ahead and they put in a uh, something that I'm kind of was was always loving baseball about how we don't have any clocks, but the pitcher clock doesn't affect how long the game is going to be, in my opinion, because the guy can still foul off 15 balls. You know what I mean? And a guy can still sit up there and have a full count. We know that a lot of times when a, a player walks, Mike, the guy might get seven to eight pitches. So pretty much the games are still going to go the the time that they go. It's just that now the pitcher won't have time to just keep playing playing around on the mound, and the batter won't have time to keep playing around in the um, batter's box. So, you know, I think that we are on – pace to really get baseball back and i know that it sounds crazy now but i think usually when i say things like this i'm usually right about it because i just keep seeing more and more baseball being talked about and i see more and more children playing baseball again as well too i didn't see that 10 years ago yeah man i i completely agree with you i think baseball is in a very good spot and uh as a baseball fan as a lifelong baseball fan i'm excited uh more excited about this opening day than I have been in a very long time, uh, especially considering, or I guess I should say in spite of the fact that, you know, the Red Sox aren't necessarily, you know, extremely promising going into the season, you know, uh, they may surprise some teams, but, you know, uh, in terms of my fanhood, you know, I'm not necessarily expecting a whole hell of a lot going into this year from the Red Sox. And so for me to be this excited about the season is very telling about the direction that baseball has gone in. I think that they're finally listening, taking in some of the suggestions that they've heard and implementing them in a way that, you know, man, I'll tell you, even just this implementing this WBC, there were people in the NHL locker rooms yesterday where it came up and they were like, man, we wish we could do this in hockey. You know, you're going to have people saying that from different sports, you know, how, how can you do something like this uh, in our sport? And so that tells you that it was an exciting brand of baseball. And not just that, if you go for from a social media perspective, Pop, apparently Fox Sports set all-time records in terms of likes and retweets 
their own records. Like they'd never gotten more likes or retweets than they did from the WBC. And keep in mind, Fox carries football and, you know, NFL and college football and, and game of the week on Saturday and a bunch of World Series. The WBC got more likes than anything in the history of their Twitter. A lot of that came from Japan, I'm sure. But still, that just tells you that, you know, the global markets. Look, we got, what, 330, 350 million people here. You know, there's still like 7 billion more elsewhere. You know, and that's the thing that I think baseball really, really can tap into. You know, basketball's done it to a degree. But I think the, the big difference is that baseball is a sport that like, you know, folks in the Dominican and Puerto Rico and a lot of Latin America, they live, eat and sleep kind of like soccer in a lot of the countries. I don't feel that basketball is necessarily like that in China or in other places where the NBA has done extensive marketing, you know, uh, piggybacking on Yao Ming's success and that type of thing in China, you know, so it'll be interesting to see what happens from here. But, you know, I know we've spent some time on this, but I think it's deserving of the attention that uh, us and, and all the viewers and media have given it because it's a job well done. Very well done tournament, man. Well done, Mike. I, I, I got to stri- strictly agree with that part, portion of it right there. I can't wait till 2026. Yeah, no doubt about that. But between now and then, we got some American baseball to play. And so before we kind of talk a little bit more specific. Major baseball to play, Mike. Not American baseball. Major League baseball. Major League baseball. Well, I meant Major League baseball to play here in America. In America. Major League baseball, brother. Absolutely, man. Well, The league when it comes to baseball. Oh, no doubt about that, man. It is the absolute that's, premier that's, league. All these international guys that just played in WBC, the dream is to play in the MLB. The dream is not to play in the KBL, bro. You know that. Well, I'll tell you <laughs> what, man. You this this cat that the Red Sox got, uh, uh, he was dynamite, man. I mean, him and you know Shohei was, was obviously the one that got all the attention, but uh, a not far off 1A was uh was this cat man he was raking and so it's interesting that the red sox scouts saw something in him because there was another player i think that's on that team too that i believe got the triple crown or close to it so they saw something in this guy though that suggested that he's gonna really do well probably play play a good pepper off of the green monster hit some home runs at the short right field porch I think it's going to be a fun season offensively for the Red Sox. And uh, I, I think this kind of jump-started their fan base, who's kind of sour on the team after losing Xander Bogarts and Mookie Betts in a three-year time period. You know what I mean? So that should be a lot of fun. But let's talk about the enemy for a quick second, the enemy of the Red Sox, that is. Did you see this valuation that the Yankees got? They are now valued, just came in today, over seven point one billion dollars. 
Well, it makes sense. You know, they they got a they got a, a lucrative stadium in yet in uh, Yankee Stadium that charges the highest prices in all of baseball and is literally at eighty to ninety percent sellout every, all year. You know, so pretty much um, only time you can probably get into a Yankee game in the Bronx is when you're watching. Uh, you know, when they when say the Royals come to town or you know uh, somebody like the Rays come to town or something of that nature. You know, but um, all in all, the Yankees are just uh, the brand and all of they are the the they are what I would like to say the the biggest brand in all of sports, not just baseball, the biggest brand in all of sports. Reason being is because the Yankees probably have the most legends in pro sports to ever grace for one franchise. When you always go ahead and you compare teams in any sport to anything, you always say they're like the Yankees. They're like the Yankees. They're like the Yankees. Nobody nobody says who the Yankees are like. Everybody says they like the Yankees. So the Yankees have set a standard that most teams have never achieved. Only a few have got to the pinnacle, but the Yankees do really sit on an island of their own when it comes to how marketed and how big that brand is. Would you rather own the Yankees or the Cowboys? Yankees. Because the Cowboys, to me, that's a headache. Because you're dealing with, and okay, I know we got people in Texas. In Texas, you know I love you. But I'm going to keep it real with you. If you ever ask me where you will pop, where would you live at in Texas? Houston or Dallas? I would say Houston all day. Because Dallas is a crazy, nutty sports town, like extreme sports town. And they are very critical of every move those franchises make, even the lowly Rangers. You know what I mean? You have to understand, when I was doing the Super Bowl week, Fanatics View is a Dallas outlet. So I had to deal – I my the guy that was with us, Walt Chisholm, good radio guy, he is Dallas to the fullest. And at one point I was getting a little annoyed because I was like, we can't talk about the Cowboys this much. You know, we can't talk about the Dallas Mavericks this much. They're not that relevant at this point point for this week. You know what I mean? So that's how much they love those teams. They talk about them 24, 24, 7, 365. And in the NFL, you got way too many expectations. You got way too many, you got way too much coverage on you, the owner. You know what I mean? And I think that I would much rather be with the Yankees because I can I can tell them I'm a private person and they, they'll have to respect that. I don't have to go into a press conference and talk to the media. Jerry Jones has to go talk to these people once a week. You know what I mean? And I think that he has to do that because that's how the Dallas Cowboys operate and that's how fans keep being involved in the game because he's a pillar of the community. In New York City, you need to just win. They don't need you to be a pillar of the community. That's the whole thing. For them to show up, they don't need you to be, you know, face forward with everything and always writing a check for everything they do and the, for everything somebody does, you know, for every charity that's in the city. No. You know, in New York City, you go win some games and we'll throw you a parade at the end of the year. That's the mentality. Yeah, you're, you're kind of right about that because it seems like with the Cowboys, a lot of it just kind of manufactured. You know, they haven't really been like a great team in a very, very long time. You know, um, it's funny because they keep calling it America's team and all that kind of stuff. But I can't say that there's a lot of Cowboy fans, you know, in my circle, at least. 
you know, I don't know about yours. Team, I hate to say it is like the Pittsburgh Steelers because they are like everybody, you know, the factory workers and the, the blue collar people of America. That's a America's team type team. You know what I mean? And they've been successful over the last 50 years because the Steelers still don't really miss the playoffs. Come on. You know, the Cowboys spent a, a long time missing everything. And let's keep it real. The Steelers been to two Super Bowls in the last 20 years. Cowboys ain't been to nothing. Very spot on, man. Right. So, you well, know, my bad. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, you know, well, uh, this this is probably a good time for us to take our, our last time out here and try to squeeze in a little bit of NCAA talk. We're in the middle of the attorney right now. Games are in progress. Like to hear what you think of uh, of the tourney thus far. Stay with us, everyone. We'll come back after a quick commercial timeout. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Tune in every Friday to get your weekend kickoff early. Join the legendary G. Keith Alexander for What's Hot Harlem America. The flagship show of the new Harlem America Digital Network has something for everyone. From the latest in entertainment to empowerment, health and wellness, and more, we'll bring you a variety of fresh viewpoints, voices, and ideas. What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander can be heard every Friday at 1 p.m. in New York and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at the MikeAbadirShow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Back for the final segment on the Mike Abadir Show. We've talked a lot of baseball, of course. It's definitely square on our minds right now. But we're also super stoked about this, as always, unpredictable March Madness NCAA tournament. This first week of of madness so hard to predict i mean number ones falling and numbers twos falling and you know, like i think one through 16 every single seeding has lost already it's 
just madness. It, do you think it's a case of from the 64th team to the first team, there's just not a lot of separation like there maybe once was? No, there's still separation. It's just that how's your mood? Basketball is just a different, just a different animal now. It's it got different energy to it now. But this has always been basketball games. But what happens here is just that sometimes you got teams that just they they had their worst day. And I would say Purdue just had their worst day at the wrong time. And FDU was a team that didn't lay down because there's a lot of times that's that's the one through one sixteen matchup. You're always gonna get the one one of those one sixteen matchups where sixteen is gonna be pesky and they're not gonna go away. They're a matchup problem. And what happened in that game was is that Purdue was really big and FDU is really small. And FDU took advantage. When I was a coach and coach smaller teams, what you do is you press them up a lot and you play big. That's what we say. Let's play big today. We're not big boys, but let's play big today. And that's exactly what FDU did. And Purdue kept playing patty cake with them throughout the whole game, thinking that, okay, at one point we're going to go ahead and get this big run going and we'll get them out of here. But they just couldn't get things going because they couldn't hit certain shots. And and Edie just was not getting enough touches at, at the at – the, um, critical points of the game but you understood why he wasn't getting touches because he was getting quadruple team and they didn't know how to make the adjustment all it was is that they didn't have enough athletes on Purdue's side it's that simple you know and Purdue what about Arizona Arizona got put out simply because that's a team with no chemistry they're playing with a lot of uh foreigners and they're playing with a lot of transfer portal guys and a lot a lot of guys that are thinking about the NBA already. So pretty much their whole intention was just to look good for the Pac-12. And then we'll come in here and we should be able to do what we want in this tournament somewhat, but we ain't too worried about that part. You know, I you, you know what teams are just doing it so they can advance to some next level or something of that nature. But I'm going to keep it real with you. The reason why Arizona lost was because the Ivy League schools are always going to be the toughest of the small schools because the Ivy League schools might not have guys that were highly recruited to go to these power schools, but everybody that plays on those teams are good enough to play for those power six schools. That's the whole thing. But they're smart guys. So what they want to do is they they're, they have valued education over athletics. So if they were all into sports heavy or something of that nature, you'll catch those guys playing for the Michigan States of the world, the Yukons of the world, um, the Tennessees of the world. But these guys are people that have that are are realistic and know that you have to have a lot of luck to get into professional sports from college. It doesn't matter how great you are. So they would much rather have a head start in the educational part. So that's why they go play for these Ivy League schools. And everybody knows whenever Princeton's in the tournament, Princeton and Harvard are always going to be the ones that you have to take seriously because these teams are built to compete. And Princeton has a team that is was really, really good. And they beat the best team in the Ivy League as well, too. And I told people that right after their game, or during their game, I said, it doesn't matter. The Ivy League school that gets in is going to be a problem for whoever they play in the first round. And if they advance, there'll be a problem for the team they play in the second round. Here we are, Princeton's in the Sweet 16. So, you know, that's what it was. It was matchups. And pretty much Arizona played bad basketball. Princeton took advantage of it. You can't play bad basketball against the Ivy Leagues.
No, no, no doubt about that, man. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a bad, bad time to, uh, to throw out your clunker when you're talking about March madness, because it's very unforgiving one and done, baby. That's what makes it exciting. That's what makes it so intriguing. That's what makes it so hard to win this tournament. It's just tough to be able to get through it. Focused seven games in a row. Um, and that's what it takes to be able to cut down the nets in the uh, tournament here. So in our backyard, a lot of people have had high hopes for UCLA, but they've got the injury bug big time. With them being depleted, what do you think are their chances? Uh, do you think they could still be able to continue their winning ways? What What are your thoughts about this? Mike, one player makes you deplete it. It's only Jalen Clark that's out. Bone is playing tonight. Oh, yes. Yeah, Amari Bailey's playing tonight. You know, they're not depleted at all, bro. But I know what you really want to say. They don't really have that great of a bench. Let's just keep it real. UCLA is really uh, uh, has a great starting five. And not having Jalen Clark it takes, it takes away a little bit of that greatness because it's like they're a super five that doesn't need to rely on more than three guys off the bench. Now they got to rely on 10 guys. Now they got to rely on five guys off the bench. So what I'm, what, what we need is big effort from McClendon and um, Andrews. And those two guys have stepped it up. They've stepped it up pretty good, but they need to step it up even more tonight. Then you got Nuwaba, who's a senior already. And if, Bona, it's already been to where Bona's in foul trouble. Nuaba will be able to uh, back him up. But there's a guy that really sticks out to me, and if he plays tonight and he and he's and he doesn't make those silly freshman mistakes, he could be a key X factor for UCLA. But that's if he gets time from Cronin, and that's going to be Mac Eighteen. Mac Eighteen is a really good player. He scored ten points in the first round game, and um. I thought it was, and he was five for five in that game as well too. He didn't, he didn't get much playing time in the Northwestern game. It was understandable, but um, yeah, if he's able to come off the bench and do something significant, UCLA will be in good shape tonight. But seriously, figuratively, Jaime Yaquez is the Mexican Larry Bird, and I think that what happens with him is is that. He has to be the end all be all for UCLA. As long as he's good and he gets his he gets his points and he does his hustle plays, then UCLA should be in good shape. But the guy that everybody's going to have the spotlight on tonight for UCLA is going to be Mr. Amari Bailey. Mr. Amari Bailey, five star from Sierra Canyon, Bronny's uh Bronny's big homie, as we would like to say, um, in the neighborhood. And um, you know, pretty much um, that kid is looking to get to the NBA top ten pick, and he knows that you know he didn't have the greatest uh, regular season, but he still was showing some bright spots. He was hurt for a bit, but he's been going off these last six games or. So, and tonight seems like the night to really have a big night. You know what I mean? So, Amari Bailey is my spotlight player for tonight's game, and he has to be the man tonight for UCLA to win this game. Just for reference, I just pulled it up. So, our good friend, Keeneland Dan, is is a Cronin brother. His brother, Mick, is the head coach at UCLA basketball. Also, Mick and Keelan Dan sent sent 
What's up? I want to throw in the fact that Mick also has horses with our good friend Doug O'Neill. Oh, he yes. Doug trains some of his horses. He sure does. He actually has a horse, I think, also that's a derby contender running in Tampa, I believe, as well. But mm. uh, Keeneland Dan's tweet from the other day, he said, of course, I'm rooting for UCLA. But this is where I got the notion that they were banged up because he says it's going to be hard for them to win six, especially with the defensive player of the year not playing. Uh, the best shooter in the school history is on one leg. The best freshman big in the nation with one arm trying to gut it out. So that's kind of where I'd gotten that idea. So I don't know if if he knows, has some insight from his brother that these guys are really banged up or if he's exaggerating the situation or or whatever. Regardless, Gonzaga is a tough matchup. We're, it, like, it that's one of the tough. that's one of the tougher tough. matchups. It was, was going to be tough anyway. It goes, Mike and Dave. David Singleton's fine. David Singleton was walking very, very, very freely the other day. He'll be playing as well too. Number thirty-four. I don't think that Mick would give out that information to his brother. Honestly, I, Mick Cronin doesn't do that. He probably get that information to help his dad because Hep <laughs> ain't got no Twitter. Yeah, well, time will tell, you know, but yeah, the bottom line is this. It's a tough game. It's a tough situation. These next four games are just absolutely just nerve-wracking for UCLA, in my opinion. Well, if they get past this one, th this might be the harder one between the next couple, potentially. Wait, you can't play right now. <laughs> that, oh, boy. <laughs> You know, that's going to be – I'm telling you, they were in the toughest bracket of them all, Mike. And that's why I told everybody when it came to the West bracket, you wasn't going to get no upset because Arkansas beating Kansas wasn't truly an upset. It was really that Arkansas was a team that played pretty bad this season, and they wound up as an eight seed. They were really supposed to be about a two or a three. They were the number eight team in the nation when they started the season. Maybe I'm sleeping on the UConn a little bit, man. That could very well be the case. Uh, we got to wrap things up here, Pop. Damn it. Um, Damn it. As of right now, with the teams that are left, give, give us a quick champion or or a team that you think could really make a run based on who's left and what you've seen so far. Okay. When I say, okay, everybody except for UCLA, because, you know, UCLA be playing with my heart. You know, they number one. They're plus 190 to win the regional right now. They're eight to one to win the national championship. I got them at sixteen to one early in the year. Um, but if I can't choose them, I got. I'm going to keep it real with you, Mike. I think that the champion comes out of the Big Twelve. I think it's going to either be Texas or uh, Kansas State. If it's not going to be UCLA, I know that's kind of bold right now, but that's how I'm feeling. And then another team that you can get excited about possibly is Alabama. But I think that Alabama is not playing against enough right now. And I think when they get to the final four, because they're going to win their regional. And I think when they get to the final four, they'll get put out very, they'll get put out by 10 or better. You know, I can't say that I watch a lot of Alabama basketball, but there's something inside of me tells me that, um, you know, I'm not bullish on Alabama or Houston, uh, either of these one seeds. Uh, but, you know, time will tell. It's, it's going to be a fun couple of weeks here. By the time next week rolls around for next week's show, we're going to have a lot more answers, and uh, we'll be uh, what positioning for the uh, grade eight. 
at that time. And we're also going to be at the eve of opening day in baseball pop. So we'll be at the final wait, four, Mike. We're going to be talking final four next. We'll, 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 we'll be talking everything from A through Z. And we'll do our MLB preview show next week. That is all the time we've got. Pop, as always, thanks, brother. You always make this show uh, give it a lot of pizzazz, man. A lot of good information. Thanks to Voice America, to my man Josh. And, of course, to all the listeners. Without you, there is no show. We will see you all same time, same place next week. Enjoy your massive sports weekend, everyone. Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week.